The Circle Lore Introduction In the endless bog, a young coven strives to bring the five clans back from a dark age of their own creation. It is the product and cornerstone of a tentative peace after generations of warfare. It is a collection of the world's best and brightest prospects. A permanent summit for the purposes of mutual learning, forming connections, and building a better future through cooperation rather than conflict. A last-ditch effort to foster unity in a desperate time. Witches skilled in channeling the mystical energies that flow through all life and death in the mire have come to study, to grow, to create something bigger than themselves. Welcome to the Circle, a dark fantasy witchcore LARP set in a mysterious bog. Learn your craft. Depend on others, survive untold horrors, and build a new foundation. Where the world goes from here, only you can decide. The world. Setting. All humanity has ever known is the bog. Its marshy lowlands, its web of rivers, its fens. Never has an end to the bog been found, nor for ages has one been sought. Though much of it is unlivable, peat-filled murk, Magic flows through its depths, allowing the witches of the bog to work wonders. Above the mire rise a scattering of hills and crags, solid lands where bog dwellers can settle. They are valuable, often contested places, to build homes and shelter from the strange things that lie below. Impossible creatures that lurk in the gloom, spirits and shades that wander the mists, unknowable gods that wander the ways or watch from above. The bog is full of the bizarre and the beautiful. It is both home and crucible to its denizens. It is alive, and all who dwell within live in fearful awe of that fact. Learn its ways, survive its trials, and it will make you strong. Act foolishly or without respect, and it will devour you. Dive deeply into the mire and you will find the veil. The veil separates the lands of the living from the realm of the dead, where the spirits of those past flow toward some great unknown, perhaps rebirth, perhaps something else, in a river of death. The veil can be pierced, but to the unprepared this spells only death. It is far safer for a witch to call beyond the veil and lift a spirit that has not flowed on beyond their reach, but this too has its dangers. The meddling of even the most skilled witch threatens to disturb the natural order. Climb to the highest peaks of the tallest crags, and some say you will find the edges of the cosmos. Little is known of it. Bog dwellers navigate by the light of the moon and the constants of the stars, but none is certain of their nature. Those who draw the closest always seem to come back a little bit strange. Some call it madness, others enlightenment. Perhaps it is so that the cosmos is only just out of our reach. All the same, perhaps it is better not to ascend to matters beyond human ken. The Cycle and Seasons Before all things comes the cycle. It is the order of the natural world. Nothing lasts forever. Nothing stays the same. There is no constant save that inescapable, unending wheel. Birth. Growth. Prime, withering, death, rot, and rebirth. Each phase gives way to the next, passing in its own time. The wise witch respects this. 
it is the greatest of taboos to even attempt to disrupt the cycle. Any perversion always leads to calamity. Overgrowth leads to rampancy and chaos, the reversal of death to a loathsome mockery of life. Any witch who claims to know better than the forces that hold the world together is guilty of the deepest hubris. The phases of the cycle that are not concepts to fear or to fight, but inevitable parts of existence to be honored and accepted. Each clan may keep the cycle in its own way, but all hold it sacrosanct. The passing of the seasons echoes the cycle. Spring is a time of birth and growth. Summer, a celebration of life at its peak. Autumn is the withering, beautiful as it may be. Finally winter, a time for life to be still, to die and rot beneath the snows, feeding the young life that will bloom again in the spring. The solstices mark the prime of life in the stillness of death, the equinoxes the midpoint of the transition between. Dwellers of the bog hold these as times of celebration, observing the cycle and the passage of time. Community. Though it takes many shapes, community is the foundation on which all things are built in the bog. The first settlements ushered humanity out of its infancy, allowing them to build lasting homes and establish nesting groups. Tools and skills were developed when those settlements allowed some dwellers to specialize their knowledge. Magic, too, flourished when shared. Individual discoveries passed from parent to child, from mentor to student, from peer to peer. Personal grimoires contributed to common tomes, even libraries, and through this common learning came the formation of the clans. To have a clan is not only to have an identity, but a culture, and to a witch of the bog there is little more important. There are five clans that call the bog home, each with their own values, practices, aesthetics, and even magics. They are the kin, the rooted, the veilwalkers, the watchers, and the wilders. Magic and Technology The very essence of the bog is steeped in magic, bubbling up, flowing, creating, destroying, changing everything it touches. It seeps through all things, living and dead, and can be tapped by a knowledgeable witch. By channeling these energies through crafts as varied as the people who use them, a witch of the bog can accomplish great and terrible things. Magic may be used as a weapon, a source of guidance, a balm to the sick and injured, even for entertainment. The only limit to what can be done with the powers of the bog is the caster's imagination. The technological advancement of the bog can be compared, in real-world terms, to the Iron Age. People and goods may be moved across distance on wheeled carts if the drivers can find a solid path, or on laden barges if not. And peat is burned for heat and light. Further development has mostly taken a backseat to magical innovation. The secrets of the forge, however, are known to the witches of the bog. Where mining is impossible, denizens draw their ore from the depths of the bog itself. This bog iron, submerged in the mire for so long, has been permeated with magic down to its very essence. Once smelted and worked, bog iron tools carry that power with them. Bog iron ritual knives and cauldrons are among the most common medium for spellcasting, and are valuable enough that they are often passed down the generations. The heritance of these tools has as much to do with their quality as it does the increasing scarcity of bog iron. Where once it was plentiful, 
the precious resource has become scarcer with each passing generation, as rich deposits are picked clean. Many witches only own enough to forge a single knife, handheld cauldron, censer, or bell. Swords or larger pots are rare, the result of years of saving by a family, or even a community, and the skill to work the metal in such quantities rarer still. Myths and Legends Lethru The manifestation of the cycle and the energy that binds together the entirety of creation, both living and dead. Lethru is said to have countless forms, ever-shifting. It resides within every human being within the bog, every plant, every animal, every fungus, no matter how great or small. The very earth and water is filled with the life-breath of Lethru. This force of being is present even through death. Decay and entropy, too, are part of Lethru. Fate, time, and change are all extensions of Lethru's influence. If it exists in the bog, it is one with Lethru. Every clan honors Lethru as a representation of the cycle in some way, but the Rooted and the Veilwalkers have especially involved relationships with this deity. Epithet Though this being has a name of its own, it is unknown to humanity by design. Instead, it is called Epithet, the progenitor of disparity. Epithet is as old as time itself, perhaps older, and created the very concept of a name. Through names, things gain individuality. Through names, they are known. Names are things of power and learning, and it is in pursuit of these things that many witches seek their own true names to better know their own natures. This is why Epithet guards its name jealously. To hold sway over such a being would be to wield untold power over all of creation. The Horned Lady The Horned Lady is the patroness and mother of humanity. No one knows where she came from or how long she has existed. All that is known is that in the beginning, it was she who discovered the first humans unborn in the peat and she who midwifed them from the bog. Depicted as a towering woman with a crown of antlers and hooved feet, the Horned Lady is the first huntress and woodswoman. Once she'd brought the first humans into her care, she taught them how to hunt, how to shelter, and how to survive in the unforgiving swampland. Revered as a mother goddess by the bog dwellers, she is especially venerated by the wilders. This magicless clan has remained the most true to her teachings and way of life. Even so, she has not been seen even by them in countless generations, believed to have left her children in order to teach them to fend for themselves. The Scarlet Arbor Accounts disagree on the very nature of the Scarlet Arbor. To the rooted, she is a caring, compassionate figure, teaching witches to heal the sick and injured, to nourish and care for the land. To the kin, she is a driving force, a fearsome hero that commands the blood to sing within the veins, inspiring champions to feats of courage and strength in the thick of battle. Legend tells of her abilities to command the trees themselves to walk, or act as living panacea to the infirm with but a drop of her sacred blood. In some tales, she is described as a tree with sanguine leaves and bark that drips blood in place of sap. In others, she is a woman with flame-red hair and surpassing beauty. What all agree on, however, is that the Scarlet Arbor is a powerful guiding force that arrives in hours of great need and then vanishes without a trace.
The Burning Hound When those with credible claims to have encountered the Burning Hound speak of it, they do so with reverence and respect. Legends from across the bog describe it as an enormous beast, larger than any wolf, that glows as though lit from a great flame within, and burns as though pitch runs through its veins. Many a boasting hunter has set out to kill or capture it, only to return defeated but alive and a little wiser, some deposited unconscious at settlements without knowledge of how they arrived. Others, lost in the wilderness or living on the edges of society, carry stories of times their lives were saved when it came between them and something truly monstrous. Others still claim to have housed it as it changed its form into that of a man. It is a tall tale, a legendary challenge, and a guardian spirit all rolled into one. The Wanderer The bog is a treacherous, shifting landscape. It is easy for even the most canny traveler to lose their way in it. The luckiest and most desperate among the lost may hear in their hour of greatest need the sound of played strings in the air, and a faraway song leading them back to the path. Some have even encountered their source. If your group ever counts one too many heads on its travels, it is all too likely that you will find among your number an unfamiliar young bard, brightly dressed, who can play any song you can name and many that you've never heard. Should you meet the wanderer in your travels, it is considered good form to share a drink and a story with him in return for the luck he brings. Tales of the wanderer span the bog, but always along the road. It is said that he travels the length and breadth of the land, always exploring, never at rest. What he may be searching for, no one knows. Nos. In a land of ever-present danger, where mortality is not just a philosophical absolute, but something of which dwellers are reminded almost daily, it is only natural to revere the guide that shows the deceased across the veil. Those who have come back from the brink describe this guide as swathed in a dark shroud, indeterminate of features and utterly silent, but not fearsome. They say that in its manner lies the deepest and most profound peace one will ever experience, the beautiful and final comfort of an old friend you've only just met. Its name, its true name, was discovered by the Veil Walkers after great sacrifice and generations of divining, and the fact that it is known is the only reason the witches of the bog have a modicum of control over what crosses the veil and in what direction. World History Timeline The Birthing No one claims to know the true beginnings of the world. Humanity has only ever known the bog. The bog is endless, boundless. It is here that humanity emerged from the swamp, midwifed by the Horned Lady. It is here that they first began to learn the ways of survival, hunting and gathering and sheltering where they could. Those times are only known in legend now, as they came before the first of the sage began to record history and pass it down. Most of what is known about the ways of the old comes from the wilders, who refused to leave those ways behind. Families nested together, eking out their survival day by day. It is said that the bog was more plentiful then. It was not without its dangers, strange creatures that were then new and maelstroms of wild magic, but it was a time of wonders nonetheless. It is said that the bog was more alive in those days, and so bountiful was its magic that humans could scarcely help but begin to work it. They studied the flow of the land's power 
and learned to harness it within themselves. Even the smallest tricks helped them get by in those days, whether used to guide the shot of a sling or to divine what weather tomorrow might bring. It was the very beginning of witchcraft and the start of a glorious tradition. The Settling When humanity established their first permanent homes, a new era began. The earliest settlers used their magic to douse and augur their way to the highlands above the waterline. Having finally found a solid foundation, families stopped roaming and began to build. They began to amass supplies and more thoroughly explore the lands around them. For once, they were able to sleep at night with little fear of being eaten before the morning came. Shelters became homesteads, farms were established, and soon more homes sprung up around them. The settled people of the bog prospered, multiplied, and learned. As the remaining wanderers gathered to these beacons of safety and permanence, the first true communities formed. No longer were they small groups bound only by blood or marriage. Now units banded together, and in the budding townships the bog dwellers began to learn trades and specialize their skills. No longer did every member of a band need to possess all the skills of self-sufficiency. Now their knowledge could be narrower, deeper. As these villages and towns learned of each other, they began to knit together, and in the heart of the bog the first city, Idlefen, was formed. Mundane matters were not the only skills affected by this growth. As the first hedge witches stayed in one place, no longer roaming, they began to record their works and pass them down the generations. The first family grimoires were written, filled with only the most pragmatic knowledge, spells that could aid in day-to-day -day affairs. Crude though these rites were, they too were a foundation, and soon they paved the way for humanity's brightest age. The Learning Humanity had worldly matters well in hand, and the bog was still bountiful. The time was right for the exploration of magic to begin in earnest. As witches began to study in gatherings and discover the hidden truths of their work, spells grew beyond mere tools of survival. This was the true witchcraft. Through trial, error, and observation of the world, witches discovered untapped sources of power, and with this potential, they discovered so many greater works. They began to codify the effects that spell components could produce, combining them in new ways and diving into the theory of their craft. New spells and rituals were written, shared, and became common knowledge upon which to build. The first sages began to collect and hoard this work, amassing power through knowledge alone and taking on apprentices of their own. Loyalties were established, and communities built around centers of learning. The ideologies of the learned became the basis on which allegiances were formed. Soon, four covens stood above the rest and rose to prominence. The kin, the Rooted, the Veilwalkers, and the Watchers. There were also those who forswore the pursuit of magic and followed what they saw as the way of the Horned Lady. Though no means a monolith, this eschewance of magic became an identity and they became known as the Wilders. Together, these were the five clans. The clans saw their respective arts through to perfection. They began to understand the underpinnings of magic and the forces that drive the bog, both magic and mundane. Through this learning, they became aware of the cycle, 
one witch could accomplish with a spell what entire families could not during the settling. As the Wilders kept to their nomadic ways, the other four clans grew in power and made claims on the land. Each established common governance and territory, and this led in turn to rivalry. An age of rancor would inevitably follow. The Breaking Humanity's brightest age was followed by its darkest. Tensions rose as the first larger ideological clashes grew increasingly pronounced. In such an air of disquiet, the pettiest squabbles became mortal feuds. Any slight, no matter how small, escalated, became a matter of pride, a source of animosity, another crack in the levee. Diplomacy died slowly of a thousand thousand wounds. Trade halted, and envoys were recalled. Citizens retreated to the lands they hailed from to become insular and bitter. For the first time in the bog's history, being human was not common enough ground. Those not of a shared clan were branded outsider and other. Meanwhile, the bog itself was changing. Old maps were found increasingly inaccurate. The farther from home one ventured, the more unlikely it was to find the way back. Exploration stagnated, which prompted clans to chafe at their boundaries all the more. But the final stroke that laid low the peace that had lasted for so long was when resources began to dwindle. Plants were overpicked, animals overhunted, and even bog iron pulled too greedily from the mire. A spark of violence ignited the dry tinder of the clan's remaining patience. War followed, complete and bloody. With clans now fighting pitched battles, the witches of the bog put their greatest strength to work as a weapon of war. They wrote spells of death-dealing efficiency and wielded them against each other. For a time, it was the only magical research that was given any attention. The first of these dark arts were small, wielded person to person, but as the war grew fiercer, so did they. Before long, witches worked disasters that wiped entire settlements from the map and scoured the land in their wake, but they were nothing compared to what would follow. The Calamity. A doom of such grand proportion that to this day we are not entirely certain of all that we lost to it. Whether called by the chaos and bloodshed of the clan's wicked work, or some unthinking accident of the cosmos, a star fell from the night sky and landed in the midst of Idlefen. What followed was total annihilation. Too few survivors recounted the horrors for us to understand exactly what nature of bane the fallen star unleashed, but what we do know is that it rendered the land itself so completely hostile that none has returned to this day. Countless lives were lost along with untold knowledge, yet, in the depths of this despair, some small remnant of goodness shone out to drag the world back from the brink. A tiny coalition, from those in the clans weary of hatred, came together to brave the horrors, saving as many lives and as much nearly lost learning as they were able. For the first time, the clans saw the fruits of cooperation. The Weaving The losses of the breaking took their toll. After generations of loss, little fuel remained to feed the fires of war. So much had been destroyed or forfeit. So many of the great works of the learning were gone. In many places, the land itself was poisoned by cruel magics. 
Herds were driven from their hunting grounds, and farms ran barren, threatening famine. Even within the lowlands, dry riverbeds were found. Bog iron delves no longer gave yield. Stores of supplies ran low, as sickness and plague began to spread. War was clearly no longer sustainable, and for a few terrifying years, it seemed that neither was humanity as a whole. At the edge of their hope, the clan leaders met to discuss terms of peace. This summit was the clan's first all-moot. During the proceedings, those who had toiled through the calamity to save what they could strove to attend and found for once ready ears among the desperate assembly. They advised that the only path to peace was in closer ties, that division could only sow distrust and a return to war and death. The circle was the answer they sought, formed of those first few who dared to cross borders and work side by side with witches of the other clans. It was established as a fellowship dedicated to trust, peace, and mutual gain, a place for the clans to send their best and brightest, to teach their ways to the world and learn those secrets which had been hoarded, to build the beginnings of concord and foster a community. Although its founding was less than a generation ago, it has worked since its inception to pick up where the sages of the learning left off and restore what was lost during the breaking. Built on the threshold of lost Idlefen, it has become a beacon of unity in a time where a new way forward is needed most. You are a witch of the circle. You are the future and the hope of our world. Timeline. The weaving. This generation, the last few years, however reckoned. The breaking. Several generations back, few left who lived before it. The learning. Many generations beyond living memory. The settling. Countless generations into ancient history. The birthing. Beyond the reach of history, a time of myth and legend. Cultural Overviews The kin. Loyal and communal, the kin are bonded in blood. There is strength in connections, and the kin share more than a common philosophy. They are a close-knit family. Their magic is channeled through the network of blood ties that bind every kin that ever lived. Bloodlines, honored ancestors, and the leaving of legacies are paramount in the lives of the kin. Play a kin if you want to play a deeply bonded blood mage, are interested in emotional plots featuring legacies and connections. The Rooted Earthy and grounded, the rooted draw their power from the plants and animals living in the bog. Life is a resource, but so too is death and decay. The rooted honor every part of the cycle in their workings. Their magic comes from the sympathetic connections between physical elements of the natural world. Roots, stones, and bones are all trademarks of the rooted. Play a rooted if you want to play a nature-based hedge witch, and are interested in gross plots, featuring nature in all its murky glory. The Veilwalkers Perceptive and uncanny, the Veilwalkers have learned to pierce the misty boundary between the realms of life and death. Death is not the end, only a phase in the cycle, and the Veilwalkers know this all too well. Their magic relies on summoning and communing with the spirits of those who have gone before. Play a Veilwalker if you want to play a medium or an exorcist, are interested in spooky plots featuring ghosts and hauntings. The Watchers Cerebral and curious, 
The Watchers spend much of their time in contemplation of the cosmos. Humanity has scarcely begun to explore the power and mysteries of the higher plane, and the Watchers are fascinated by it. Their magic is drawn from the energy of the celestial movements and alignments of the sun, moon, stars, and everything else that lies beyond. Play a Watcher if you want to play a cosmic sorcerer, or are interested in strange plots featuring unknowable eldritch forces. The Wilders Pragmatic and resourceful, the Wilders have learned to live on the outskirts of the clans, surviving in the wilderness and cultivating a close relationship with the land. Hardy nomadic hunters and scouts, beloved of the Horned Lady, the Wilders claim no magical practices of their own, preferring simple lives and mundane solutions. Play a Wilder if you want to play an underdog warrior and are interested in dangerous plots featuring gods and monsters.